Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 138 of the J Situation podcast. I'm recording this on November 8th, 2022. Good evening, or good morning, yeah, or good day, uh, for whatever timeline in which you reside, travelers. <laughs> yeah, I just had a wonderful workout, actually. I went old school. Went old school this evening. Uh, you know, squat, bench, deadlift, pull-ups, curls, done. It was one of those, like, I'm just going to hit this crazy. I've had a busy week. Haven't been able to hit the gym. It's like, let's just get in there and uh, go a little wild. It was extreme. Yeah, I cranked up some 90s industrial music, and I went ham. <laughs> very violent. Very good. Yeah, it really feels good. Also, I'm very hungry, and I need food. Yeah, I had a protein shake. We're, we're going to give this podcast the old college try, as they say. <laughs> so, so bear with me as I plow through this. No, it'll be great. And, you know, um, oh, I did want to say, my goodness gracious, it's rifle season for white-tailed deer in Texas, and opening weekend was, it just happened this past weekend, and it is so great. What a wonderful time of year. The weather was great. The deer were out in full force. Some great hunting, great wildlife observation, great education, great recon, great wildlife management practice, I tell you what. Man, it, what a great weekend. I, ho- I hope you guys had a great weekend too. One second. Excuse me. Okay, so this week, uh, we are back to work, back to reality, back to data and analysis. That's right. Uh, went hard in the paint after hunting, prepared some more data for you, and it's almost ready. Yeah, this this week is going to be a banger. I'm... I'm, frankly, I'm I'm rather excited for it. Yeah, and so on today's episode, um, I'll mention that upcoming release. And we'll talk a little bit about that, but also first, we'll speak about hunting with silencers and thermal. That's right. I'll give you some firsthand experience from this weekend, and we'll you know we'll talk topical use, you know, and uh, even go into some real thermal use case discussions with some new gear. I think that'll be really cool thermal you may ask that's right oh yes (laughs) need something wild and crazy i've got your guy i think i've got your guy check out high-end armament that's right this episode of the podcast is brought to you by high-end armament technology a dealer of exactly that high-end arms and accessories they have significant longevity in the machine gun and the nfa game as well as significant expertise in both the procurement and operation of night vision thermal optics, and infrared sighting systems. They do. Uh, Robert and his crew have decades of experience and actual knowledge of the gear. It's a, it's a welcome, refreshing thing that I found about them. It's very refreshing to, to talk with those folks. If there's a weapon system that's rare and you're having trouble locating it, or if you need to get into the night vision or thermal game, uh, the transferable machine gun game, uh, you know, something like that, something exotic stuff, they're a great place to call. Check them out at highendarms.com on Instagram at High End Arms, and they even have a Facebook page, which is also High End Arms. That's right. <laughs> I hope they can help you folks out if you need it. It's good to have a resource at your fingertips like this. Believe me, it's rare. So if you do use them, tell them Jay sent you. And um, secondly, um, a really great sponsor of the podcast is Silencer Shop. That's right. The Jay Situation Podcast is Probably sponsored by Sonster Shop for quite a long time now. You can use their kiosk. You can do your fingerprints and photos electronically. 
And in turn, you'll most likely cut down on errors and simplify your sponsor purchasing process. It's pretty cool what they've done. No money back guarantee. It's pretty great. No transfer fees, no paperwork errors, just you and your sponsor with no drama. It truly is sponsor ownership simplified. That's right. And uh, we have a, there's a couple things I've implemented um, on the show notes of each episode on the website at pewsons.com slash podcast and also in the show notes in your favorite podcast provider if you're listening on Spotify or iTunes or something like that. There are some codes. Um, you can check out True Shot Gun Club out of, out of Arizona in those links. If you click that link in the show notes, it takes you to their site. When you click those links and you buy stuff, it does help the podcast so that's important for you to know and if you do go there and you join the join their a zone membership to get free shipping on all the ammo you buy from them over a calendar year or you know a year period rather of your membership with with them if you decide to do that which is kind of cool because if you buy a lot of ammo free shipping is awesome if you do that use code word pew science and you'll get twenty dollars off that membership so i'm trying to save you guys some coin and help the podcast um also magpul jumped in and if you uh, click the Magpul link in the show notes or on the website, uh, use code word PS10, that's P-S-T-E-N, to get $10 off your order of $100 or more at Magpul. So just keep buying mags, dude. And if you're going to buy mags from Magpul.com, with, you know, straight from the source, the fresh, I, I heard that's where the freshest polymer is, frankly. <laughs> you should use um, you should use the link on the website and, and use the code word. It's important. That's right. And lastly, and most importantly of all, forever. This podcast is sponsored by Pew Science. Pushing the sponsor industry forward, one test at a time, dragging them kicking and screaming against their will. And uh, it's working. <laughs> Visit PewScience.com for the suppression rating, the simplest and most accurate hearing safe rating for your suppressed small arms. It's based on true human inner ear response of the entire gunshot. That's right, from before combustion takes place all the way until all the combustion is gone. That's right. It's the entire sound signature. That's all you're going to see from Pew Science. Pew Science is the home of the Silencer Sound Standard. Seven sections, the most in-depth and accurate Silencer data and analysis in the entire world. Check it out on PewScience.com. You can support this podcast, Pew Science, and all the testing I do by joining with a membership at PewScience.com. There's also a donate feature on the review page and the podcast page. Every little bit helps. And something that's free and doesn't cost you anything. You can go to your favorite podcast provider and give it the old good old five-star rating right there and, uh, you know, iTunes or Spotify. And, you know, just let folks know that silencers and guns are awesome and normalize the use of suppressed small arms. That does help that. It is important. We must win. What good is trying if you're not trying to win? I mean, it's what? You want to do something half-assed? Like, come on, guys. <laughs> I got three topics for you today. Topic one, white-tailed deer hunting. Suppressed with thermal? I mean, yeah. The future is now, old man. <laughs> it is, though. Topic two, new sound signatures reviews this week. This week? Yeah. Multiple. Maybe. I tell you what. You can have a little data as a treat. <laughs> no, but you can. And topic three, you know, I did do this. I just finished sending the latest batch of welcome emails to all the new Pew Science members. I, I do do send all those emails, uh, and, and I really do want to thank all you folks for your, your support. You know, all of your grassroots contributions to the effort have enabled it to continue. I, I, it's not, it hasn't stopped. 
2022 is ending and we're still going. We are normalizing suppressed small arms and it's and doing so is a team effort. And it is totally working. And that's because of you. That is because of you. Okay. So thank you. I'll talk talk about that as I always do. I never want to do an episode without thinking the backbone, which is the Pew Science members, the salt of the earth. Okay, let's go to topic one in time of eight minutes and 22 seconds. Okay, you know, and I talked about this. Um, let me get a drink of water one second. I, I put this in a story in social media. Was I feeling a little bit aggressive? Absolutely. I'm working out. Testosterone is surging. I might have a little pre-workout of my system. Hey. Hey, man. When it comes to your adrenal glands, you got to spend money and make money, baby. <laughs> He's an addict. No. Um, you know, I this topic one. Before I get into this, I just want to say I do record these podcasts myself the night before release, and I do it all in one shot. I do not edit these. So I just want you to know that. And I I don't know if you folks knew that. And if you've ever spoken into a microphone and recorded yourself and done it like a hundred and... 38 times for over an hour I, I you might appreciate what could go wrong and what it takes to stay on task and create something that hopefully will help others I recognize that not every episode is going to be a banger you know but I also recognize that um, we're sharpening the chops here. So whether it be a musician or an athlete or anybody, you gotta you gotta put in the hours. And I think I think this is getting better. I think a lot of people are getting a lot of benefit from it. That's the feedback I receive. Um, sure, there's negative feedback too, but I tend to focus on the positive and and take the negative feedback as constructive criticism where I can. So if you do have feedback, please let me know. But I just wanted you to know this is a one-man band. And as one of my gracious Peace Science supporters told me today, I I might be a madman. And as I told him, and I think I shared this on social media as well, I told him there's a fine line between greatness and insanity. And I feel like as long as we walk that line together, we can just keep one foot we can put one foot in the in the greatness zone. And if we got to dip a little, a couple toes into that insanity zone, hey, hey man, how bad do you want to win? Topic one, white-tailed deer hunting suppressed with thermal. The future is now. Indeed. Indeed it is. Now, to be clear, I don't know how many of you have hunted with super old-school master hunters. And look, I, I'm not talking about some old fuds necessarily, but they could possibly be fuds. They could. <laughs> I'm not saying they're fuds, but no, they are. Uh, it's okay. I learned, and I've, I think I've told you guys this before, I learned deer hunting from a really old dude, and he taught me a lot. I also picked some stuff up from a true master hunter, uh, a guy, and I know that sounds cliche to some of you, so be it. He was a guy who, he he has, I mean, he's not dead. He's alive. I just 
don't hang out with him anymore. This guy has hunted all kinds of game his entire life and, and done it really well, and he's very practiced. And both of those guys that I learned from, they never used silencers or thermal to hunt. They never did. I mean, sure, it was several years ago now that I hunted with them, and you know, and now maybe one of them has used thermal or maybe shot a silencer, but it's probably unlikely. Now, one second. That protein shake, though. <laughs> you know, maybe they use some gear, but I, it's, I know for a fact one of them might have dabbled into night vision, but he's just he's not into it. And, you know, those guys, they hunted for decades, for decades without those things. And the old saying, you know, you, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. You know, I, it's pretty, that's a pretty simplistic saying. It, it does ring a little true, I think. But I think another cliche saying that's more appropriate for this idea would be old habits die hard. Also, the you know the you got you know you got the movie Die Hard, it's great, it, and it's absolutely a Christmas movie. So if if there are any doubt about that, just settle that debate. If if there's one at your Thanksgiving family dinner, sure, we're a little early, but it's never too early to speak about that movie during the holidays. I just want to let you know, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. But yeah, old habits do die hard, and when something works, you tend to stick with it. Yeah, and as, especially in the context of hunting and white deer hunting. No less. I don't know how many of you hunt white-tailed deer, but you got to think about why do we hunt whitetail? Okay, is it for the challenge? Is it for the meat? You know, is is it for the wonderful clean skull we present on our wall in order to remember the glorious murder in which we participate? <laughs> no, I, it, it's probably for all of those reasons. To be honest, right? I mean, it's, you know, a little bit of a, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B as they say but most of all the challenge is what makes it fun and when you have done it for years and gotten really good at it you did it by making mistakes being consistent and you did that through hard work like anything right you you honed your craft you are a craftsman of of murder and death you are a bringer of death and that sounds morbid but it is true and there's, there's an art to murdering and, and, and hunting and being a predator. You know, I don't, like, people say harvest. Like, oh, I harvested this buck. And some people hate that, and they say it's cringy and all this stuff. But, you know, with when, you, when you're, when you're um, focusing on wildlife management, meaning taking an ecosystem and trying to return that ecosystem to a, a, a state in which it, was prior to uh, overgrazing or human interaction prior to settlement, or if you're trying to maintain that state of the land, you know, you can use various tools, you know, the gun, the axe, the plow. There's a lot of, you know, and all you wildlife biologists and wildlife managers will know what I'm talking about there. We don't have to go too deep into that. But, um, you know, you're, 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 you're doing that. I, I, my train of thought literally just left, left the station. That was so crazy. Um, that's what I get for talking about doing this in one shot with no editing. But, you know, we, yeah, we talk about, we talk about murder and it being, um, morbid. And we talk, oh, that's right. I was talking about harvest. So some people call it harvesting and not murder. And it is a harvest in some respects when you're operating 
it w- for the big picture. Like so, some deer hunters just go into the wild and they will call a deer. Uh, but they don't they don't see it as calling a deer. They're just hunting for meat or for the for the beautiful skull to put on their wall. And, and frankly, that's I think both of those things are absolutely okay. Some people are actually they're harvesting the a certain percentage of the population of of mammals, just like they would harvest a, a crop of soybeans. And that's where that harvest term comes from, okay, from a for, from an animal census count with a wildlife biologist. So you know, you, you folks that are you know su- you know you get super on your high horse and you denigrate people because they use the word harvest. It's like okay, I totally understand where you're coming from about being kind of like you you almost feel like they're whitewashing it. Like you you feel like well you're you're trying to make it seem less murdery by saying harvest. And are those people who use the term harvest doing that? You know, some of them might be. But I do want you to know that some people that use the term harvest, they're they're using it because that's actually a really good term to use. And, and you know, it depends on the vernacular, right? It depends on the context, like a lot of things, a lot of nuance in this. But make no mistake, even those... Even those individuals or organizations that use the term harvest, and I've used it before for myself, make no mistake, lethality is key to success in the activity and the ethics of the activity. You do not want the animal to suffer just based on principle. Because you're a human being, you have a higher level of intelligence, you should command that and expect that of yourself. Therefore, if you make a bad shot, if you don't know how to shoot, if you used an undersized cartridge uh, with with, with, uh, with the ballistics that are inappropriate for the game you are murdering, you are irresponsible. Whether you might have inadequate training, inadequate gear, or sometimes you just get unlucky. Now, when you're unlucky, that's not necessarily being irresponsible. But what do do those two dudes do that taught me how to hunt? They hunted for so long. They honed their craft. You make less mistakes when you practice, right? You don't only practice to learn how to do something. You practice to remain awesome. Okay? That's right. So if you change anything about the process... Or a process. If you change any process that's honed over years and years of experience, you risk injecting a failure vulnerability, don't you? You do. So how do we avoid that risk? How do we avoid the risk of introducing a failure vulnerability into the system? Education is one way to reduce risk. Because you're human. If we were talking about robots, uh, you would just teach the robot a routine. Like, well, there's a fairly vulnerability here. We're going to go ahead and insert an algorithm into the robot, and the robot is going to not make that mistake because it, it now uh, has a path uh, to, to reroute you know, alternate power, like you know when Arnold is he's down on the grading in Terminator Two, and they're like, well, you know he you know he gets stabbed through the uh, through the back there by the T one thousand with with the steel 
rod in the steel mill there, and he's on the grating, and, and he's, and, you know, he's, he's like, you know, a little red glow of his eye goes away, and you're like, oh my god, Arnold's dead, this is horrible, Terminator's dead, he's like, what, John Connor, no, and then Arnold's like, yeah, it's like alternate power, it like reroutes his power, like around the, the, um, the compromised section of his uh, robotic anatomy there, you know, because what did he have? He had, he had a predetermined algorithm in his in his CPU there in his you know you know because he was a cybernetic living organism you know he's a cyborg you you are not one but it doesn't matter you can still have an alternate fail safe strategy in your CPU in your brain and how do you get that education every podcast i give you all i'm doing is repeating information. I'm, I'm almost saying the same exact thing. 138 episodes. I'm almost saying the same exact thing to you in different ways because I'm tricking you into learning. I am building your neural pathways to a degree that they're so deep. And and I've, I've, I'm, I'm in your walls, bro. I'm in your walls. I'm in your brain. And you, you know so much. You know so much more than you think you know. Some of you are so sharp. I see it. It's awesome, and that's what we're going to do right here, talking about this. So like any other technology, a knife, a gun, a space laser, a silencer, and a thermal weapon site are tools in a hunter's toolbox. Okay? They both allow you to enhance your shooting and hunting experience, and when you use them correctly, they can be of great value to even the most established and experienced hunters. I don't care who you are. If you're Fud McGee, that you're 80 years old, and you're like, I don't need that. I just use a 30 odd six, and I shoot that deer so good. And it's like you do, bro. That's awesome. But guess what? You could do with a thermal. <laughs> be like, be awesome. Um, the first and the first thing I would like to discuss, and we might we might get to thermal, we might not. I, I want to talk about silencers first because hey, what is this piece science? One second. The first thing I would like to discuss is silencers. And uh, I'm going to walk you through some silencer selection for hunting purposes, okay? And for mo- for most hunters, this boils down to three major criteria, really. It boils down to length, it boils down to weight, and it boils down to signature reduction to the shooter. Okay? Are there other factors that might be important to you overall? Uh, yeah, there are. There's, there's nine of them on the on pscience.com slash rankings. Uh, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times people forget that there are a lot of factors. But hunting silencers are most often rifle silencers. Okay. And so unless, you know, unless maybe you're hunting with a pistol or with a 300 blackout subsonic rifle, which can, and, and, and 300 blackout subsonic can be suppressed through most pistol silencers but we're just relax we're talking about that's very niche hunting we're talking about the most common case so for a rifle silencer it's going to need to be short enough so it doesn't make your rig ungainly long and hard to maneuver that's that's a general rule of thumb there's an exception to that uh, for example if you have a silencer that you can expediently attach to your barrel only when you're about to use it if you don't have to use your rifle suddenly 
Okay, this isn't a tactical situation. You're, this is a hunting situation. The animals are not shooting back at you. Uh, for example, like if you're if you're hiking with your rifle, and you are eventually going to get to your position, and not use the rifle until you get to that position, maybe length won't matter to you because you're you aren't walking around with the silencer attached to the gun. Okay, I mean d- don't. Don't like assume you you need to be Rambo to hunt deer. I mean you you can, and I think it's awesome, but you definitely don't have to. I mean, just be be pragmatic in in your in your in your gear, right? I mean, it's like let's be honest with each other. You know, you you, you can do. I, I'm all for using a belt fed weapon to hunt. It, it's not efficient, but do it. I don't care. Use a missile, dude. I don't like. You're not going to get save any meat, but you certainly will harvest. Um, dude, I don't care. You know, I. You know, up to the level level of tactical nuclear weapons, I, f- I feel like uh, you know arms should be unregulated. Really, you know, we can get to that discussion some other time. But you know, you do you want to turn this into Mogadishu? Uh, well, you know, it probably wouldn't. You know, force on force. Yeah, we can talk about that later. It gets complicated, but basically, you know, you don't want to be too you don't want to be too much of an idealist. You know, but I do believe you know. You know, rocket launchers should be fine, things like that. And 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 so, you know, you can be, if you want to take, you know, uh, uh, a, a certain weapon out to hunt, you can. You should know, though, for example, like in Texas, uh, the, 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 the Texas Parks and Wildlife regulations, like you cannot hunt game animals with machine guns in Texas. Like, and that's not my rule. That's the rule of Texas. In, in fact, uh, up until a few years ago, up until a few years ago, you couldn't hunt with silencers in Texas. I don't know how many of you know that, but you can't. Oh, or you could hunt with silencers, but you couldn't hunt game animals. Like for example, in Texas, like a white-tailed deer, that's a game animal. A hog, that's not a game animal. That's a that's a non-native invasive species that we can kill by any means necessary. With a white-tailed deer, you pull out your 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 uh, M11 nine and you want to shoot that white-tailed deer. Yeah, better hope a game warden doesn't see you. Because that's definitely illegal in Texas. Like you cannot use a machine gun to kill a white-tailed deer in Texas. Like I, I've seen so many people like, yeah, I'm just gonna use my machine gun. It's like, yeah, dude, that's cool. Like philosophically, I have no nothing against that. Like as long as the animal doesn't suffer, but you don't waste a lot of meat. Why would you need that? Plus, like it's illegal in Texas, so you know. Okay, you can still use your semi-auto rifle just fine. Okay. Um, If you don't care about length, I know I went off on a tangent. If you don't care about length because you're being pragmatic and you're just going to get to your hunting spot and set up and you're stationary and the the rifle can be as long as you want it to be and you're not in a tiny blind or something to maneuver it, hey, that's cool. But I can tell you right now, for most people hunting, because I've hunted for a very long time, um, the overall overall length of your weapon system is going to be a concern for maneuverability. Okay, it just is, and 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 uh, if it's not for you, you are probably the exception, not the rule. Okay, and also I would say for a rifle silencer, weight. You know that's a, that other factor. Weight can be extremely important when hunting. It can. M- most rifle barrels used for hunting are relatively long. I know this is a kind of a niche podcast and a lot of you are NFA freaks and you have SBRs and that's awesome because I'm one of you. I'm telling you, I'm telling you most, 
rifle barrels used for hunting are relatively long, and because of that, added weight is magnified due to something called moment. Okay, I'm not going to get too technical during this topic, but let's get a little technical right now. A moment, it, 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 you can think, um, we don't have to go super deep, but it is, you can think of it as the same as a torque applied to the point of rotation where the weapon is supported. Okay, so when you shoulder your rifle, the longer the barrel and the heavier the weight hanging off the end of that barrel, the more rotation your support structure, like your arms, your hands, your body, uh, are going to have to deal with. Okay, you are counteracting that moment, that torque. Okay, that torque of the equivalent mass multiplied by the length of that moment arm, the length of the lever. Okay, the length of your barrel. That's right. At first, you might not think the weight of a silencer matters that much, and that they're all pretty similar. You might think that. And, you know, that's where you would be wrong, especially as your barrel gets longer and the sponsor gets longer, okay? Try it out yourself in a gun shop or with a friend or on a long bolt gun. Try it, okay? I've, I've hunted with a 20-inch bolt action with a rugged surge in the full f- configuration. That rugged surge is heavy. It's steel. It's long, and I put it on a 20-inch bolt gun, and I hunt with it. How do you think that felt? Well, it felt great when I shot it. It's great feeling when you shoot it. When you're when you're carrying it around, it's not a great feeling. When you're if you have to stand up and shoot, it's not a great feeling. Okay, I mean you can be a hero and talk on the internet all day and yell about how you're super strong and uh, you don't care about weight because that's like okay, well, <laughs> okay, <laughs> shoot better with the sponsors lighter. Trust me. Finally, the the most common factor, I and this is from my brain, but I, this is from observation and experience. The third, the, the third, the third most common factor is signature reduction to the shooter. And for the most part, hunters are concerned with not having to wear hearing protection in the field. It's very common. And it, they really want to hear their surroundings. It's something, it's something hunters really want. And frankly, it's, it's actually really great to be able to hear your surroundings, and it's enjoyable. And with, with modern advancements in electronic hearing protection, which uses microphones and filters to reproduce audio, right? But it, but what it does is it blocks overpressure with a mechanical seal, right? That's how they work. Um, that It's actually becoming less important technically, um, you know, to, to not wear hearing protection, to hear your surroundings, because you there's a lot of advanced electronics now and for a long time, I, I would wear those hunting because I was like, oh, my God, it like amplifies the sound. And this is great. Like, I mean, it's and it's pretty economical, you know, but practically. Practically, hearing protection, you know, it's, it's pretty important, no matter no matter what technology is available. Even if you have electronic hearing protection. It's oftentimes seen to be inconvenient by users, especially experienced users. Like, I, show me an experienced hunter that likes to wear hearing protection. I mean, that's changing now, but man, there are tons that would never dream of taking hearing protection on a hunt. I know that sounds weird to a lot of you based on the nature of this podcast, but I'm telling you. A lot of them would never even dream of using hearing protection. Both the, the guys I learned to hunt from, they would never. They would never wear hearing protection hunting. 
Okay, and they they hunt. Um, I'm gonna say one of them 300 win mag and 308 or quite a lot, and the other one is like 270 all the time or two or like a 243 Winchester because he did coyote a lot, and it's like yeah, that's loud. Okay, bolt bolt gun stuff, and um, it's a complicated issue, and it's a very human issue, and the, the same inconvenience seen by individuals regarding wearing hearing protection while hunting can be applied to using silencers while hunting, right? Yeah, so, you know, lengthening your gun, making it harder to handle and heavier to carry and shoulder, yeah, it's definitely an inconvenience. It is. And and some folks may go so far as to say that it's it's more convenient and cheaper to simply wear hearing protection and forego the use of a silencer altogether. And, you know, those people would not necessarily be incorrect. Okay, let's be pragmatic. Those people would not necessarily be incorrect. However, I do have a counter-argument that I believe has technical merit. Okay, this isn't philosophical, it's more technical. I have spoken about this before. Uh, you know, the, the, the propensity for you to not wear hearing protection or wear ill-fitting hearing protection or be placed in a situation in which wave amplification from reflecting surfaces can occur. And I've talked about this stuff being significant when hunting. Okay? And the hunters out there that you're listening, you you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. So when you use a silencer, it is my opinion that it should be thought of as supplementary hearing protection. Okay? The use of a silencer will reduce your risk of hearing damage over and above the use of plugs or muffs, you know. Things like that. And the spectrum, the, the the spectrum of how the primary hearing protection devices fit, that the sensor is going to help you on top of that. Because you don't know. I there are proper ways to put earplugs in and raise your hand if you know how to put a foam plug in your ears. I know how. I roll it between my fingers, right? To make it to squish it. And then I, like, let's say I'm doing that with my right hand. Then I take my left hand and I put it over my head and I grab the top of my right ear with my left hand and I pull up and I tilt my head and then I stick the the the, the, the squished, now rolled into a tight cylinder uh, foam earplug into my ear canal. And then, like, really deep, and I hold my ear like that until it expands deep into my ear, thus creating the proper mechanical seal. Okay, that's what the simple little foamy. How many times have you seen someone use foam hearing protection, whether it's shooting or like at your job site if you're at work and you work in a noisy environment and you look at them head on like you're looking face to face with someone and you can see their little foam earplug sticking out of their ear from the front of their face if you can see their foam earplug when they're wearing it chances and this isn't perfect but it's an indicator chances are it's not inserted properly and how many times does that happen oh i'd say mostly just from being in, in an industry that works with loud things. So, so um, you know what I mean? So there's people that, wear, that, that do that all the way to people with ops core amps. 
with double hearing protection with the NM NFMI plugs in. So they were in double hearing, you know, or with custom fitting uh, earplugs from an audiologist. There's a spectrum, but no matter who you are or what you're doing, no matter if you're with a, with no, no ears on the foamies to the amps, to the Walker or Howard light Academy special Walmart special using a silencer on top of that is an additional layer of protection by utilizing multiple layers. You stand a better chance of reducing the risk of damage to your ears. Real talk. Okay. So all that being said, the performance of the silencer as part of the suppressed weapon system in signature reduction to the shooter is paramount to many hunters. Okay, it's paramount. And that's regardless of the exact configuration of the hearing protection system. Okay? So, I so all that being said, now I postulate that it's more likely for you to be safer during hunting by using a silencer than not all other things equal. Given what I know about risk. Okay? And that goes for bystanders hunting with you as well. Um, yeah, but that, although, you know, that, that is not as common an occurrence for hunting, uh, for hunting use of suppressed small arms overall, because group, group hunting with rifles is less common than solo hunting in many areas. Nonetheless, bystanders do matter and it can be important, especially if you're teaching your kid to hunt or something. So, so now that I have laid out some rationale and justification for the three main factors important for hunt, for a hunting silencer, the weight, the length, the shooter's ear performance. Um, I, I want to walk you through some of my personal choices this season. So that, uh, what I'm doing, why I'm doing it, and how it is working out for me so far. Okay, because I'm doing a little, I'm doing some weird stuff this season. Okay, and so this is a real use case, and maybe it will help some of you with some decision points you may have in your own hunting or in your own shooting life. And I figured, would we talk like this about this? Maybe I talk, talk and tell you what I'm dealing with myself, and maybe it helps you. Okay, one second. Okay, so currently I'm fielding the 13-inch Scar 17 308 lightweight battle rifle to hunt deer. <laughs> Remember I told you, like, if you want to be Rambo to hunt deer, be Rambo. Bro, this is <laughs> high-speed, low-drag, bro. bro bruh, Navy SEAL. No. Um, it is, is that rifle a purpose-built hunting rifle? Not for deer, no. It's more for uh, people hunting, really, <laughs> literally. Uh, if you had to assign it a hunting role, um, nonetheless, uh, one of my personal reasons for selecting this weapon for hunting is me being very familiar with the rifle. I'm getting familiar, more familiar with it. Shoot, shooting, I've been shooting it a lot this year uh, as part of the part of the Pew Science Scar Project, learning about its technical performance parameters, and most importantly, the ballistics of the 13-inch barrel 308 are more than adequate for medium-sized game animals where I hunt. So for me, when I started using the SCAR, and I started really loving it for what it is, um, I was like, oh my God, Like if I'm going to really immerse myself in SCAR land and deck this rifle out, whatever, I don't even, I've, I haven't kept track of the cost because it'd be, it'd give me a heart attack. Um, I don't know if you see my SCAR, but it's not, it's like I'm sure I could buy a car for the 
for what is on that rifle or two. Um, so a nice car. So it's fine. I mean, it's, you know, we only live once, right? Um, but when I saw that, when I, when I started thinking about it and I really ended up liking it and I was like, well, 13 inch 308 and I started practicing with it at 400 yards. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, man, <laughs> with a one and eight scope, I'm, I was hitting steel. I'm like, I'm like, dude, I can kill a deer with this. Like, I don't, I'm not going to hunt that far. I hunted a hundred yards. You know, I was like, I was like a 150 grain, uh, 308 bullet at a hundred yards out of a 13 inch barrel. That's just fine. That's just fine for killing most things. I'm like, I'll be fine. And so, yeah, so that's what I'm doing. Right. So that's what I'm doing. And I'm here to tell you the SCAR is a very loud weapon system. It is not quiet, dude. Mine in particular is even louder because the barrel's shorter, right? It's 13 inch. So it's that CQC barrel. That is not, that is not a normal SCAR 17 barrel. It is short. So for me, I already knew, I already knew going into this, I was going to wear supplemental hair protection when hunting. I already knew. Okay. And furthermore, uh, the scar, it's very gas sensitive. So my goal is going in for silencer selection. This is where I'm honing in on this, right? Cause we have Pew science data and analysis going in. My goals were size, weight, sound reduction to the shooter's ear. Like those, those are the three, like when I say size, I mean length. So length, weight, and sound reduction, just like I told you and flow rate. I had a fourth. I had a fourth requirement for my specific case. Okay. So those goals, those goals are, are, are very hard to optimize together. They're very hard to optimize um, technically, right? Because of the silencers available on the current market, and clearly we're talking about 30 caliber silencers, of the silencers available in the current market, there are really two that stand out immediately. The, the CGS Hyperion K and, and the OSS HXQD762. But the, but the OSS HXQD762, it's, it's a little too big for what I want. I've used it on the gun. It's actually, it's actually kind of cool on that gun. It's a little too big for what I want for hunting. And it's a little too heavy. The Surefire SOCOM 762RC2, it stands out as well. And you know what? The Dead Air Sam NS stands out. What did I say? I was saying, I was saying, uh, flow rate, right? Three weight and flow rate. And, and, and what suppresses for the size with flow rate. Remember that article I did with those four, those four silencers, but out of the four silencers in that article, I wrote whenever that was the Hyperion K is really the best on paper for this application because of the because of the weight and the length it's it's suppressing if i remember correctly off the top of my head and this is all from memory i it's don't hate me if if i get the rankings wrong but i'm pretty sure the hyperion k suppresses similar to a socom oh i have to look i just i, I try to wing that i'll feel bad if i say it wrong hold on i'm going to peacelines.com rankings boom okay one second shoot man i hate to I'm, I'm, I'm apparently not in the encyclopedia. All right. Uh, ammunition, sort, supersonic 308 only. Okay. Boop. All right. Sort by um, overall composite suppression rating. 
What do we got? What do we got? What do we got? Where am I? Harper and K at? Okay. Harper and K. 37.1 at the ear on the bolt gun. The Surefire is 37.8. Okay. So, yeah, they're pretty close. What's their overall? So, 37, 38. Okay. Yeah. So, the SOCOM 762RC2 and the Hyperion K have have pretty similar performance, right? They, they have pretty similar performance, but the Hyperion K is like way smaller and lighter than the SOCOM 762RC2. We talked about this ad nauseum back in the day when I reviewed this stuff, but they both have very high flow rate for their suppression. The Hyperion K is, uh, they're both very advanced. The Hyperion K is even more advanced, right? The, the, the CGS Hyperion technology is newer technology. It's much newer technology than the Surefire technology. Surefire technology is actually very old. It just so happens to be a very good old technology. The, the CGS technology is like, you know, it may as well be aliens compared, but they work very similar in some ways. And because of that, you see very similar performance. However, the Surefire technology, for it to work like the CGS technology, it needs a much larger envelope. Okay? That's key. And you know that. This is proven fact. So, out of the four, you look at them, you know, the, the Hyperion K, the, the HXQD762, the SOCOM the, the 762RC2, you know, and the same NS, you're like, <laughs> Hyperion K all day, every day. For what we're doing here, the you know lightweight hunting silencer. So recently, little monkey wrench for me personally, thrown into the mix. Recently, Surefire had donated some silencers to Pew Science. They donated silencers to the Pew Science Scar Project. Bless up, Surefire, powerful Surefire. They donated an original RC, seven six two RC, and a uh, and and a mini two, seven six two. Mini 2. So now I had an interesting decision point. Okay. The SOCOM 762 Mini 2 is the same length as the CGS Hyperion K. And I know without even testing it that it's going to have a very high flow rate because it uses similar technology to the full size SOCOM 762 RC2. So I thought, okay, maybe it's worth checking out on the SCAR. And I know it's going to be loud. But maybe I'll be surprised. I don't know. So I shot both on the SCAR, the Hyperion K and the... I think I told you about the SCAR project. I tried the Hyperion K, the RC, the OSS, the... And the Mini 2. Um, you know, the Hyperion K I have, it's an R&D sample. And it needs to be modified for the tapered thread adapter so I can use it on the SCAR. So although I am confident it's going to be... It's going to do well on the gun because I have shot it. I, I didn't want it to accidentally loosen because the taper was engage, it wasn't engaging because of the dimensions. And so um, you need the taper for that to work on the thread adapter. So just because the way it was bottoming out. So I, so instead of that, I was like, well, this is as good a time as any. Let me test this um, or rather let me use this other silencer. I started using the Mini 2 on the SCAR. I think you've seen pictures of that. I started using the, 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 the Mini 2. So... So and so far it's doing okay. Uh, it, it's not even supposed to be used on a barrel that short, three hundred eight. It's not designed for that. And um, <laughs> so far, anecdotal reports from Mrs. Pew Science have indicated that the Mini Two is very loud on the, on the scar. She indicated when we were hunting and and shooting several times. She shoots with me a lot. I love her so much. She indicated that in the far field, she noticed significant propagation. 
in other words, far away, there were boomy reports and reflections indicative of gunshot signature. It carries far. It's loud. Okay, uh, and uh, it just does. And I have I and you know what, guys, I haven't shown you yet, but I've tested the Mini Two on twenty inch three hundred eight, so I can compare that data to the data I have on these other silencers. But I haven't had a chance to dig into the analysis yet, so I I have nothing to say about it. Um, it was done with internal Pew Science funding, so I will get to it when I can. Now, for the time being, I'm most likely going to switch to the Hyperion K on the 13-inch scar due to the way the silencer works, because as we know, CGS Hyperion technology ramps up efficiency with high pressure. It's just, it's the way it's designed. It's actually cool. So I'm like, well, let's, I'm like, that's why it's kind of fun to use the Hyperion K on the 13-inch 308, because I know it won't break. Um, you know, there's not many super lightweight uh, titanium 308 silencers that can survive 13 inch 308 properly. Like I know people have like burned down silencers on like four inch or seven inch five, five, six, but that's not, that's not the same. That's not the same thing. I'm telling you 13 inch 308 with a Hyperion technology silencer it is is something that the sponsor the sponsor is like okay thank you thank you sir can I have another <laughs> like it's, it's like yeah let's do it and so um th- I, I'm I'm probably gonna settle on the Hyperion K for now on the 13 inch scar because of the way it works because if it's performance on 20 inch 308 relative to the full size SOCOM 762 RC2 and for its weight and for its length. When I when handling the weapon, handling the weapon with the Hyperion K is a different experience. End of story. I just know how it feels. The balance is better. It's a, it's a light silencer. You can feel the difference. So you know, in our that's that's my current hunting selection is like why that's not and that's not going to be applicable to a lot of you because a lot of you aren't hunting with a, a short a short barrel semi-auto piston three hundred eight. Because you're like, why would I ever do that? That's crazy. And it's like, well, I have a dual purpose. I'm busy. I'm a busy man, and I'm killing two birds with one. I'm killing three hundred birds with one stone. Because I'm, I'm multitasking everything I do. What better way to to be super familiar with a weapon test platform than using it to murder with, right? You got you gotta when you murder with a weapon, you gotta make sure you understand that weapon, right? So Mrs. P Science, she's using the CGS Helios QDTI on the 16-inch fix rifle, bolt action rifle with the with the CGS titanium taper direct thread. Okay. If you go back in the episodes of this podcast, you'll recall that silencer is quieter than the Hyperion K on Supersonic 308, isn't it? You can look that see that in the ranking section. And it's still very lightweight. Like I said, you can use the taper direct thread mount that interfaces directly with a Q barrel. It's a great choice for the gun. It has more flow restriction or or has more back pressure than the Hyperion K. But for the bolt gun, it's not an issue like it is on the SCAR. So it's really at home. Okay, so those are our two current those are our current two use cases for the hunting season this year they are two different hunters different weapons different silencers same exact use case right with the caveat 
again, that I'm using the SCAR for multiple purposes as I continue fam you know, familiarization with the system in different environments, okay? And it, it, it's so much different than a bolt gun, I continue to put it through its paces, right? I got to understand it. So, and we're well past a thousand round mark on the gun now, by the way. It's awesome. So, oh, and by the way, it should be known, uh, she she's still using hero protection with the Helios QDTI, even though it's well into the 40 zone at the shooter zero on the 20-inch gun. And why? Layers. Multiple layers of hearing protection. And and I can I can tell you as the bystander to her shooting, that gun is spooky. And it's not even a big silencer. It's also super accurate. Like per, the, the that silencer on that barrel is perfectly concentric. It's exceptional. That I and that's something a lot of you know, some silencers are made really well and they do not induce a lot of point of impact shift. Like um, and they also, your precision isn't affected. And it's like, um, man, those, C, those 3d printed CGS silencers are really concentric. <laughs> I mean, the OSS too, the flow five, like it's, I'm telling you, man, you, you the precision it's exceptional. It's exceptional. I've just been so pleased with it. And so I hope this discussion helped for the silencers. I You may be interested to know, you know, that this is personal use cases for silencers and I have all the data, right? There's no bias here. Okay. This is me using Pew Science data analysis and all the silencer parameters myself, just like you would. I just so happen to have access to these silencers. So this is what I'm picking. You know what I mean? So this is this is how a hunter new to silencers could approach this. You know, figure out what you need and why, and then make some judgment calls using real data. Okay, but to, so to go back to my first point about the two gentlemen that taught me how to hunt deer and their reluctance to change, and the the reluctance of many uh, very experienced people, regardless of activity they're doing, to change. Their reluctance is based upon failure points. They don't want to introduce a point of failure. But if you listen to everything I said in this topic, you are better equipped to have an alternate power route like Arnold in Terminator 2. Like you're you're going to get a failsafe because you're going to know what you're doing and you're going to learn enough about them and it's going to enhance your experience. And it's going to make you more awesome. Okay? That's right. Now, a quick note about thermal. Because I didn't forget. Now, we used it. One second. What are we, almost an hour in? Oh, this is going to be a late night for me. That's okay. Uh, we used thermal uh, this opening weekend for deer. And now, for the first time during actual deer season... I used helmet-mounted thermal. I am proud to say that that is now a reality in 2022. But talking about this forever, finally did it. Um, and I've used it to watch animals before the season, but this is the first official hunting day using it. I used it in the dark prior to shooting light, uh, and I used it after shooting light um, in the dark. And I also used it intermittently during the day, during the daylight, per typical, because it's thermal. Uh, and on my helmet, I used the dual setup. So Voodoo S on the left eye 
and Skeet IRL on the right eye. Okay, the Voodoo uh, was running off the battery pack on my helmet uh, that I use as a counterweight, and the Skeet was running off of a CR-123 because it's super low power drain, and that thing can run forever on a battery. <laughs> the, um, the higher resolution and the exceptional display quality of the Voodoo, it allows me to use the digital zoom on the helmet in a surprisingly useful way. I can hit the zoom button and toggle between 1x and 2x and 4x on the Voodoo very quickly. Um, and what I do is I'm getting a little bit better view of the things I'm looking at. It's nothing compared to native higher optical magnification with a bigger thermal. Do not get it twisted. Do not think it's some kind of magic thing. But it's the algorithms are really great. The resolution is pretty good. It does help. And it did prove useful hunting deer in real time. It, it did help me. Uh Mrs. Pew Science, she was getting super educated with thermal use in her blind she was in. Uh, she was using the Helion XP50, uh, one of my, it's a standby thermal I've used for years. It definitely enhanced her hunting experience. She had used it before, but not solo for multiple hunts. And she did that this weekend. Multiple hunts solo with thermal. Um, she was able to spot things from her area. Let me know where they were, and we could tag team the deer spotting just like coyotes would hunt, dude. It was awesome without having to circle around and read wind like the coyotes do. Right? You know that coyotes hunt in pairs, right? Coyotes hunt in pairs. They're predators, just like you. Coyotes just like you. Okay, they're smart. Um, but you you can hunt in pairs too. You can. Um, and with thermal, your two-person team is incredibly efficient. That's right. Literally nothing was sneaking up. We spotted everything. Uh, it got rather crazy, actually, because there were deer coming from multiple directions, and we started c calling them out as known objectives from our intel gathering, right? Like our camera database. Because we, we have over 91,000. I, I think I would think we just hit 92,000 photos today. Uh, over the past year, uh, we've been monitoring remotely these photos, and um, we are very familiar with the deer. Uh, so we have in-depth profiles on each deer's movement their their habits their roots and now we have thermal invisible spectra eyes on those targets which is really great you know it enhanced our hunting experience on opening weekend it did you know we were we, we were in two separate overlapping locations we were able to spot independently in multiple spectra uh able to reference previous intel she was learning more about deer and their behavior and anatomy so i i, you know, I was able to instruct her remotely via text message so she could learn more about aging on the hoof, on the hoof, right? Um, it's very good, and especially when when you change area of operation for deer, um, you know, you you know, different nutrition in the environment can affect the body size of the deer. And when you're aging on the hoof, when you're when you, meaning you are you are making uh, you're using uh, image imagery like visual identification to age the deer in real time so you can determine whether or not you want to shoot the deer more or less um that is hard when you change zo hunting zones because the deer have different characteristics they have similar characteristics but uh, an old deer in one location might look like a young deer in another location so it's just part of education it's part of hunter's education right wildlife management so we we also used the multiple spectra observation to talk a lot about the deer behavior 
in real time and, and make some field judgment calls on what kills we would make or not make. You know, and on this particular trip, on this particular trip, we decided not to take any shots. It was very good. A lot, a lot of learning, a lot of great deer that we saw and confirmed in person, which is, it's always good to match with their intel packets. We had little dossiers on, on these deer. We have little target, target pack packets, <laughs> little target packages on these deer. And, and, and we did a lot of future targeting data gathering too. We got, we got even more intel real time see so we're we're uh yeah i don't know if you know this about me but i, I get a little deep into subjects and uh <laughs> he does um we i treat this like any other operate like any other intel gathering operate like uh, for one you something else something you know about me is i i play the long game i'm patient and I'm patient. I've learned to I've learned to become more patient with hunting, and that's something I've learned more with the the people who told me how to hunt. They always told me about it, but it took experience for me to get it. I could I uh, like by nature I'm I'm impatient, but I've had to learn patience. And yeah, we treat we treat deer observation like We, we create full intel packets on these deer. Like, I'm telling you, we target these dudes. Like, we target these deer. Like, these deer are not safe. It is, I am, like, I would hate to be one of those deer because they, well, you know, for one, it's going to be death from above and they're never going to see it coming. But they are being watched and <laughs> we are not here to miss or, like, mess up. Like, we don't go in like, oh, that's a random animal. Like, like yeah, is a deer going to show up? that you've never seen before i mean god willing that's awesome i love when that happens but right now though the way we're hunting dude it's more it's more targeting <laughs> it's awesome i love it and thermal is a big part of that because it allows you to spot your objective so quickly and i can't wait to get a thermal game camera dude i i know they exist they've got to i'll make one could you imagine god could you imagine like a thermal game camera that like can, can like like first it identifies and then it launches a drone the drone comes up starts filming the behavior of the animal then the drone the drone redocks automatically back into its safe house to recharge and lay dormant until the next objective right and obviously i this technology is is you know i use this for security as well and like obviously like you know, we could do this for humans if we were so inclined. I'm just saying it's good to practice on animals. So, um, you know, on the last evening hunt, uh, thermal was very important. And uh, there were there, there, there was a very bright moon. So you, you could see a lot. Uh, those are kind of interesting nights. Uh, but, but, even, but even with a very bright moon, thermal is key for spotting where the deer are. And, 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 and especially when you're leaving your area. We, what we try to do, we try not to spook the deer as we leave if we're close to them. If they're feeding or something. If they're, if they're still around where we're kind of hidden in our sniper's nests, um, we try to leave no trace that we were ever there. We, we try not to dis disturb anything. Um, at that point, uh, I had, what did I have? Oh, yeah. I had a PVS-14 that I was alternating with a skeet. I do that. Like, I'll, I'll leave the voodoo on my left eye, and I'll alternate between the PVS-14 on my right eye 
or a uh, or the skeet. Um, and the night vision, I had to put the daytime cap on it with a little pinhole because it, the moonlight was too strong. That 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 one night, and and in, so in that situation, thermal is just it's just superior. And um, in my experience, locating I mean locating am, animals with night vision versus thermal, it's so lopsided. It's such a lopsided proposition that I actually I actually recommend thermal first for hunters for actual lo- like locating things that are alive. Thermal's king. Thermal's king. I don't I don't even understand what you would do. Like I mean I can't I cannot imagine you using your night vision to hunt with without thermal. That would be like to me that's almost worse that's worse than like daytime with binoculars it's like you want to be worse like what are you doing you can use thermal during the day and night like i just don't get it i think everyone wants to be tactical or something i don't get that i think the real hunters understand thermal is like the thing so so that i think that's enough time on this that's a quick rundown of real use cases of silencers and thermal when hunting some this is just a i've talked about this before but i want to give you real life experience because if you're going to go into this and you're an experienced hunter, you need to know maybe all the stuff I talked about, it's not useful for you. And you're like, you know what? The juice isn't worth the squeeze, Jay. That's really expensive stuff. And I'm like, you know what? That's fine, bro. I'm not selling you anything. I'm just giving you information. What you do with that information, that's up to you. That's the beauty of freedom, right? Okay, so I hope this helps people. I'll give you some more reports on real experience later. But I know there are a lot of people listening that may be interested in things like this. So, hey, it's for you folks. Do with the information what you will it is for you topic two at a time of one hour five minutes and 21 seconds okay get some water here oh man i i am actually i'm not sore yet from the workout but oh i've been sitting now for an hour and five minutes and um I didn't quite stretch enough after I worked out. I'm getting stiff. This doesn't feel good. (laughs) Topic two, new sound signature reviews this week. Multiple. You can have a little data as a treat. (laughs) I just, you know, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't mean that like, oh, like, you know, oh, you can have some data. Like, I'm not like, it's a saying. It's a joke. You know, Peace Science has been going pretty hard in the paint. And by that, I mean me. Um, and, you know, my family. I, I, You know, it's like, this isn't doesn't happen in a vacuum. Like, do you think this is normal? Like, what I'm doing right now? Like, put this in perspective. Okay? It's insane. But you guys have gotten a lot of data recently. And, you know, so what I wanted to do, I wanted to continue that trend. And I really, I, I just have this desire to really pack this fourth quarter strongly and, and and tightly i want to pack it tight so we're, we're we're closing in on 100 articles on the website and i i don't know that i've taken a break this year yeah it's completely and utterly insane both in the quantity and the quality frankly i think they're both i think they're both noteworthy not not only is there more debt science or data on pewscience.com than anywhere else the, the, the quality of the and the usefulness of the data is so much higher than any I have not found anywhere else comparable it's I've looked dude I've went to the the, the labs like they don't they don't have anything like this so 
So this week, you're going to get two articles. Buckle up, family. Uh, the data analysis you are about to see is very interesting um, and, frankly, extremely pleasantly surprising to me. God, I would hate to be a, like a sponsored consumer right now. <laughs> There's like You're going to be like, oh, my God. I'm pretty excited about it. Actually, and because this is this is one of those cases that I look, I knew this was technically possible. What you're going to see, I knew this was technically possible from what I know now, but I didn't think we would see it in the market so soon. I didn't think we would see it so soon. And in oh, I don't I don't want to I don't want to give away because I almost said something just now. Oh my god, I, I'm itching. I'm itching to tell you. Oh my gosh. It's going to be so great. I just can't. I don't want to ruin the surprise. It's good. It's better when you see it all at once. Um, but okay. Something else that's kind of exciting to me. The results shown in the articles you see are going to turn some things on their heads. Turn some things. Turn some people. Yeah, no. Turn some things. There, there, there are some industry people. Some science or designers that are about to freak out or, or be in complete denial. Uh, I, I have no doubt this data is going to be extremely controversial, dude. I, I'm going to publish this and I am, people are going to be, so many people are, are, are going to be like, oh my God. And I'll be like, I know. And some people are going to be so upset. And I just don't know what the balance is going to be. I think it's going to be mostly positive. That's what it usually is. But there's going to be, there's probably going to be some vocal angry people. And hey, you want to be angry with me? Because you didn't think this could happen? Hey, man. You're killing the messenger, but it's like... That's why we're doing this, dude. You know, it's it's, it's interesting because I've seen this, and it's actually really recently I've seen this too, and the people are doubling down. And I'm like, man, you still think that? I'm like, I see... I've actually seen some things about signature coalescence, like wave dynamics. I've seen some things in writing that are incorrect. And this is going to be one of those situations... Well, it's actually multiple because there's two reviews. You're going to get two reviews. This is going to be two situations all at once where the public is going to be like, what? And the industry is going to be like, surprise Pikachu face meme. <laughs> They're like gaping mouth like, oh, mouths are going to drop. I know it. And if they don't, I'll be surprised because when I took a step, like at first when I was looking through the data, I was like, okay, okay, okay. And then I took a step back like, like away from my desk and I just looked and I was like, you know what? This is actually a big deal. Like holistically. I was like, wow. I was like, I wonder, I wonder if people are going to freak out and they might. So grab your sponges to soak up these tears. Ladies and gentlemen, I feel like this is as good a time as any to release data like this. And frankly, I didn't think we would have it so quickly. You know, it's funny how Pew Science works at this point. It's funny, you know, it's called the science or sound standard for a reason. It's the standard, and you're about to see why. You are about to see why again this week. That's right, buckle up. Buckle up, fam. Topic three, a time of one hour, 10 minutes, and 46 seconds. I'm proud of this, dude. It's gonna, you're going to be like, oh my God, why didn't anyone show this before? Well... No one wanted to put the time and effort to do it, and I did. So now you, you're going to get it. So topic three, yeah, I just finished sending the latest batch of welcome emails um, to the Pew Science members, and some of you have already responded to them. I love that. I love to talk with you. I know I haven't responded to your responses yet, um, but I will. 
So thank you so much for your support. You know, you, you, this is grassroots, man. It's an you're making it continue, team effort, and we're 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 winning. And you guys, a lot of you guys are out of control, and I, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Believe me. Some some you know some more folks joined even after I sent the emails. I'm like, what is happening? This is awesome. The effort's spreading. We are accelerating. Our efficiency is increasing. That's right. The publications keep coming. I, it's it's tidal wave. The learning keeps happening. The teaching keeps happening by the members to others. And we are, cre- we are creating a self-sustaining chain reaction of like-minded individuals here to spread the word about some objective suppressed small arm signature quantification. That's what we're doing. And it's glorious. Okay. Do you need the quietest silencer? No, you don't. Are you starting to understand what that even means? Yes, you are. Are silencer manufacturers taking advantage of the education? Also, yes. This is bigger than them. And it's bigger than you. And it's bigger than me. Pew Science is alive. That's right. And it's for everyone. Pew Science is for everyone. It can't be stopped. It's a tidal wave of truth. It's immune from industry tomfoolery. And it's for you. I said that from the day I launched it. I'm doing this for you. I said it. Arfcom Arfcom locked the thread and Sniper's Hide deleted the post. Why do you think that was? That's right. I said it is all for you. I'll never forget that. So stay tuned for more data this week. It's going to be a banger, believe me. Thank you for all your support. I couldn't do it without you. Much love. I'll talk with you folks again soon. All right, bye.